Hello, and welcome to Dialogue Sunday Gospel Study. This today, August 16th, 2020. Today's study will be led by Dr. Farina King, reading from Alma 53 to 63. Uh, I am Chris Kimball, conducting today on behalf of the Dialogue Foundation Board, uh, speaking from my home in Utah, from where it is good morning. Uh, other board members, Michael Austin and Rebecca Deschweinitz, are also part of our group today. We are using our webinar format on Zoom and running a live stream on Facebook. We are recording this program and will post the recording as soon as it is available, usually same day in the afternoon. Although many of us would prefer an interactive forum, the practical consequences of the webinar format and the large number of participants mean that you are all mostly observers without a face or a voice, but we really welcome your presence and participation today. There is a chat function by which you can comment, ask questions, and propose answers. We ask that you be courteous and thoughtful about the chat. We will follow the chat room and introduce questions and answers if and when there is an appropriate time. If you do use the chat function, pay attention to the two line. There are a number of choices, including presenters only, which is the people you see on the screen, uh, presenters and everybody else, and you can choose individual names if you prefer. That whole chat room is recorded. Remember that you are recorded. If you enjoy these Dialogue Sunday sessions, please consider taking part in our mid-year fundraiser so that we can continue to bring you thoughtful and thought-provoking lessons and dialogue content. Text, there is a text number, 435-246-5314 to get on the list. We will include that number in the chat. That's my business comment. I would like to riff for a second here about the, the technology. I, I, we have started getting questions about uh, these programs as though we are experts has, and in this kind of programming. And I, uh, I'm not sure that's true. If it's true, it's by making most of the mistakes that are possible to make. But I want to express appreciation for all of those who work behind the scenes to make this work and who have given us comments and um, constructive information over the 20 now sessions that we have had of this dialogue Sunday study. Thank you. Now for today, I am pleased to introduce Professor Farina King as our teacher. As always, I remind listeners that dialogue encourages a variety of viewpoints and the views expressed are always those of the individual authors and speakers. We did not ask Dr. King to represent dialogue, nor to speak for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We ask for her voice, for her viewpoint to enrich us all. Somehow that catches me, that's become important to me, for her voice. Um, Farina King, a citizen of the Navajo Nation, is assistant professor of history and affiliated faculty of Cherokee and Indigenous Studies at Northeastern State University at Tahlequah, Oklahoma. She received her PhD at Arizona State University in Utah in US history. Uh, Dr. King specializes in 20th century Native American studies. She is the author of The Earth Memory Compass, Diné Landscapes and Education in the 20th Century. Uh, 
We will begin today with music and prayer. Rose Jacob will share an opening song singing God I'm a child of God. Rose is the from a small community near Kayenta, Navajo Nation. She attended Brigham Young University and Utah Valley Tech. She has worked with children's educational programs, especially those focused on Native American culture and heritage, such as the Little Feathers Group of Granite School District. She has worked with the Salt Lake City Indian Walk-In Center, known as the Urban Indian Center of Salt Lake, in Navajo language and cultural classes and programs. She teaches Navajo songs as well. Uh, then Dr. Philip Smith will offer an opening prayer to dedicate this session. Philip Smith, Farina's father, Philip Smith is a Diné physician, MD and PhD, or MPH, and a senior clinician for the Utah Navajo Health Systems. He previously served as the director, IHS Office of Health Program, and chief medical officer for the Indian Health Service. Dr. Smith received his medical degree from the University of Utah School of Medicine. He grew up in the Navajo Nation, and after his medical and residency training, returned to serve as a family and emergency medicine physician in several rural sites over decades before being assigned to his work with the Indian Health Service. He served recently as the Bishop of the Monument Valley Latter-day Saint Ward. He has advised church authorities on American Indian affairs. Rose, we'd like to invite you to join and uh, then Dr. Smith will continue with the program in that order. Go ahead, Rose, are you there? Can you um, hear? I just didn't know when I was supposed to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Rose. Are you ready to sing? Thank you so much for singing with for us. Yeah. I'll sing a little song for you. She in Adokoji a Thank you. A hit rose. And then um dad you can say the prayer. If you will all join me in a word of prayer, I will be saying the prayer in Navajo. Just wanting to let you know this is probably what the uh, Japanese heard uh, during World War II. Um, just do not be alarmed. It's a, a prayer that is very consistent with the uh, Euro-Christian uh, format that uh, all of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints, and members of the Christian faith are, are, are uh, pretty much consistent with. It'll follow the format almost like the Lord's Prayer. Ni ka god, ni ashwin loni, di kudo shanata si tli, da si ba hate the needs in kudo dialogue, gigi, 
Forum Matlanatleho, that Lilog Foundation, Aki, Edi Mzadi, the Yotkao, Indan Deshkaho, Indan Tino, Altskova, Jo Bahojo, Dida Neda Altsko, Ada Dina Samakai, Kedahat Inigi, Joslanatleho, Din Kaitna Zinigi, no Dom, Mchitsu the Tilzino, Dom, Mkitsu the Tis in Akodiche, Yanni Kitchen, Tlido Lake, Dikodo. Uh, Ado in the Kodoe Yayat Eho Nasta de Ni Kato Lace, Dequen Hassam Kai Nishas Anagi, the last light the Nitzel, the Asai Nitlin, Jonas Chin Nitlo, Quasatitle. A co eight I see he had and the needle lace, a Kodoe Ya de Sanitlini, we kitchen cleaned or lace, or the Nebuchadnezzar's uncle, we kitchen cleaned or lace. A good even Shaho Ea, Jane the Date Needle Lace, or Co Hajona Hastley, the Date Needle Lace, or Hajona Hastley, Wajona Hastley, Wajona Hastley, Wajona Hastley, in the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, Dad. Um, and thank you all for joining us today. It's, um, that's really special for me. It's an honor that those are two of my uh, two elders in my life who are very important to me. So I'm I'm very um, grateful for their words, their song, and actually in Navajo, um, a key way of saying uh, talking about spirituality and religion is through singing and how important singing and song is. And so it's, it's beautiful to hear that song that a lot of uh, people who are affiliated or know um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that they know that song, I Am a Child of God. And um, I, for me, family is so important, and it is for all of us, but um, I especially want to embed and connect this lesson with with. Um, these kind of teachings of family that we get and how family really is, um, you know, all of us and how we come together in certain contexts and places and we interconnect. And I love that uh, Dialogue um, does these Sunday meetings of gospel study and that they are giving this opportunity for people across the globe. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of you are coming from all over. I'm in Oklahoma right now. My father is not, you know, here in, in the same state with me or either is Rose, who I greatly respect as well. Um, and we're coming from all over and we're connecting in this moment. And I appreciate all the work for those on the dialogue team um, who have communicated with me and all that you do to make this happen. It's a really special opportunity. And um, for me, I have to admit, it, it has been hard to talk, I guess, more publicly instead of in our um, what seems to be our, our intimate spheres in, in our congregations and 
um, even between our families that that we will use zoom now to chime in and, and share spiritual lessons with each other following the um, come follow me manual and scripture study but um, so this is intimidating in that way um, I guess it helps that I just see a screen and I can't really see how many of you there really are um, but I I am trying to find that courage of sharing my testimony more with people who have questions about it to learn about um, that this is how I'm approaching the scriptures and being clear about that, that um, I'm coming from my own positionality, my own lens, um, the languages that I've been exposed to. And even where I am right now, you know, I, I just want to give this context, contextualization and background is I have kids in another room, so they might be running in and you'll get that, that Zoom moment where they, you might hear something, a kid yell, <laughs> whatever, um, three, three children with us and my husband beside me, Brian King, and actually he's going to help me start with um, a part of the lesson before I, I share my screen and share with you a presentation is as I was telling him about this lesson and as I was preparing for it, praying and thinking about Alma chapters 53 to 63, my husband told me, uh, Brian, he said, oh, you know, I wrote an outline for you. And I thought, wow, you're, you're going to write the lesson for me. Okay, <laughs> what is this about? And he wanted to tell me last night, but I was really tired. I'm, I'm cramming right now. I'm a professor, you know, and I'm cramming to get our classes um, online and everything ready to go. Um, and, you know, with COVID-19 raging, a lot of questions and issues that we're facing and, and dealing with. So there's a high stress level right now. Um, but I'm not the only one and I have much to be grateful for. And so I was too tired last night and I said, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to look at this. Um, sorry, we'll talk later. <laughs> and then this morning he said, okay, can I share with you now my outline? I said, okay. So he, he read it to me and I started to laugh because it was actually from a mission experience he had in Italy where he had a, um, this moment of he, where he wanted to laugh in church but it, it was a it was a joyful moment and eye-opening for him and so i'm going to have him actually retell that in italian and i'm going to translate it because um again i want this to this lesson to help us understand people are coming from all over the world, even if you are in the United States like me, we come from very different backgrounds and identities and how we relate to these gospel teachings. It, it, it's, it matters, we're all different, but this is an opportunity of exchange, dialogue. I love uh, the title of this group um, where we get to learn from each other. So I'll have him help me with the Italian parts. And this is my husband, Brian. This is just him popping in right now, but. I'll, it'll be me, the rest, I'll kick them out. No, I'm just All right, so you want me to pull it up? Go ahead. All right, um, she'll we're gonna, this is gonna be a dialogue, so she'll introduce the character and then I'll give the part. Okay, so there is a teacher and this happened in a, in a Sunday school. In where were you? Um, yeah, I was in Southern, Southern Italy, I won't give the city, um, okay, but yeah. <laughs> the average age of the participants here is about 65, 70, so, and there's probably some, you know, I mean, cultural and other things going on. Okay, so. go ahead, so teacher, what would, what did the Qu teacher say? Quale tipi di verdure vi interesse in cultivare nei vostri orti? 
what kinds of vegetables would you like to grow in your garden? So remember, this is a Sunday school teacher who has the manual and they say to the class, what kinds of vegetables would you like to grow in your garden? And then a student says, this is a response. Io voglio coltivare la fede. I would like to grow faith. And another student says, Io invece la carità. I would rather grow charity. Then the teacher says, No, no, le verdure. Io voglio sapere che verdure vi interessa. No, no, vegetables. I want to know what vegetables you'd like. And then a student responds, Mi interessa la gentilezza. I'm interested in kindness. And then the teacher answers, No, una verdura, per favore. Voglio sapere quale verdura vi interessa. No, a vegetable, please. I want to know which vegetables interest you. And the student says, Lo Spirito Santo? The Holy Ghost? And the teacher then No, says, no, no. Io voglio sapere proprio quale verdura vi interessava se avreste un orto. No, no, no. I want to know literally which vegetables you would like to have in a garden. Um, then the student says, uh, Io non ho un orto. Io abito in un appartamento. I don't have a garden. I live in an apartment. And then another student says, Ma puoi coltivare anche lo Spirito Santo in un appartamento. Non importa la grandezza della tua casa. You can cultivate the Holy Ghost, even in an apartment. It doesn't matter how big your house is. And the teacher then says, Una verdura, per favore. Dammi il nome di una qualsiasi verdura. A vegetable, please give the name of a vegetable, any vegetable. A student then says, Non ho capito. I don't understand. Uh, then a student says, I piselli? Peas? Sì, grazie. I piselli si possono coltivare in piselli in un orto. Va bene. Allora, voglio paragonare la coltivazione di verdure della coltivazione dei doni di Dio. Come la vede? So then the teacher says, yes, thank you, peas. You can grow peas in a garden. Very good. Okay, I'm going to compare growing peas to growing gifts of the spirit, like faith. And the student says, Mamma mia. And I don't think I need to translate that part. But um, I, my husband shared this story with me as I was telling him I'm going to teach on dialogue um, about Alma's chapter 53 to 63. And I'm like, no, 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 I can't use this, but no, you know, and, and I ended up doing it because I love him. But also I think, no, that, that is a really good starter and opening to this because as we were talking about it, um, when we're learning from a, a manual and say it was, who are the authors of these manuals and what kind of analogies are they making? What relates to people? And you have, this is a global faith. We believe we are all, as uh, Rose Jacob, my, my dear friend and respected elder said um, in her song, you know, reiterating that message of we are all children of God. It shows that, you know, we are all connected in that way, but we still have a lot of differences, cultural contexts where we're coming from. In that city in Italy, for example, people lived in apartments. They didn't really think about gardening, at least in that class. And so when the teacher was trying to make a quick analogy, they jumped 
you know, they jumped the gun and wanted to already talk about faith, the Holy Ghost, but the teacher was trying to stick to a manual, you know, that maybe was written um, maybe somewhere outside of Italy or whatever, not really aware of what's that context of the people in that community in Italy, right? And so I want to say that there might be some things the way I relate to um, these scriptures and the manual that um, may not, may or may not resonate with you. But I hope, you know, as we are all pursuing truth together and pursuing understanding these incredible scriptures that we also see the connectivity, the ways that um, this matters for all of us in, in very personal and intimate ways, but still something um, that we can also exchange and connect with as we come to know and understand our, our heavenly family, know each other, our spiritual um, brothers and sisters. So let me share my screen and we'll get into the scriptures here. Now you get to see everything pretty on my, my screen. <laughs> All right, here we are and I'll get this up. Hopefully I can still see you and you still see me. Okay, thanks, Brian. Um, so Alma chapters 53 to 63, as I was saying with that, that first part, oh no, let work for me. Oh, it had, it went to the back, rewind it. All right. Um, is this aspect of how we're learning together. And so I want you to understand as well, my, my background and context is that, um, as, as you saw, uh, and met and heard my father, um, speaking in Navajo, um, I, in Navajo, we introduce ourselves and we really situate ourselves through our relations and our family, eh, our, our kinship and where we come from, you know, even how that's connected to place, the place where we're born, that matters and, and um, the people and family who connect in that place. So I introduce myself in Navajo by clans, by my kinship. And I appreciate Chris for, you know, doing the best to practice and learn Navajo with us. Um, but that, that is a way that we introduce ourselves. And I explained that we are a matrilineal people. So we recognize our mothers. And that will be a key part of our lesson today as we talk about uh, the stripling warriors and the teachings of their mothers and how central that is. Um, so Navajos are a matrilineal people. And my mother, um, she is of European American ancestry, primarily English. Um, and so I recognize her and that, that's how we say, called Bilagana, Bilagana. And then we say we are born for our father's people. And I am born for the towering house clan and black streaked woods people through my father who you heard earlier today. And that is of um, the Navajo nation. So this idea of eh, um, really helps me to think about how I relate to the world and um, also these, these scriptures and a lot of how in the church, um, in these gospel teachings, there is a heavy emphasis on, on family, on peoplehood, and particularly with the way the Come Follow Me manual, it also was directing us a lot to talk about parenting, family, 
the significance of that and and then the savior's role in that how we relate to each other and how we connect and and foster healthy relationships with each other and i appreciate um being able to learn and listen to the previous um presenters on on this forum with dialogue such as uh Patrick Mason, other historians who it's interesting for us to, to compare and think about how are historians looking, that, looking at this. So not only am I looking at this in terms of, you know, the teachings of where I come from, the influence of my parents and my own ancestors and heritage, but also uh, through my, my professional development as a historian and how that's kind of uh, trained me to, to approach and see these. What you see here are two images that I'm sharing with you today of um, actually ancestors of mine who helped me to understand, who, who really taught me um, what it means to be eh, to be family and connect and our interconnections and where I come from and our family. And um, these are two of my ancestors, two of my dear relatives and elders, actually three pictured here. Um, on the left are my two uncles, uh, Uncle Albert and Uncle George, who were Navajo co-talkers during World War II. And Navajo Nation, we just celebrated our Navajo co-talker day on Friday. And um, that's a national holiday for our Navajo people on August 14th every year. And um, my my uncles really had a big impact on me of teaching me what it means to be a warrior and what it means um, to be a good relation and and then on the right side here i have these images of my my dear aunt florence smith who passed away she passed away due to covid 19 which has been um hurting and ravaging our people and my father brought that up in his prayer um, and, and praise for all of us as we face the challenges with with that monster, you know, and, and that uh, challenge that we're now all all facing together. But uh, we lost our, our dear aunt and they she told me her Dene name, as they would call her, was Nanaba, which means she returns from war because she was born at about the time at the end of World War II when the men were returning from war. So why I begin with these two images as well and with this lesson and giving this context and connection uh, with these chapters in the Book of Mormon, Alma chapters 53 to 63, is that I, I want to talk about and have us think about what does it mean to be a warrior? Because these parts of the chapters, as I, I remember Patrick Mason talking about last week, right? It's um, thinking that these are episodes, developments of war, a lot of war that can, for some people, turn them off to the scriptures. They wonder, how can I read this? Where am I gaining um, spiritual uh, spiritual strengthening in this. But as a historian, actually, I've always been drawn to episodes of war and have been um, interested by how histories are often marked and key watersheds and revolutions in history are marked by war and these episodes of violence and tension that happen. So in a lot of ways, as a historian, as I read these scriptures, they stand out to me as as histories the way i approach histories even the way that they include letters the epistles and those are seen as primary sources so it's like a, a primary source within a primary source and that's very fascinating for me as i approach it but then i'm also bringing in what is my understanding of warrior because we are we learn about a lot of warriors through these chapters 
And we're asked to liken the scriptures to ourselves and think about, you know, what can we learn from these individuals and even those who are not directly named, right, but they are referred to and every line matters in, in that. And especially uh, for me as a woman who's trying to relate to the Book of Mormon, these scriptures are very powerful for me because of the recognition and the moment even if it feels like it's just a, it is a few lines, right? It's a brief moment in, in the scriptures where there is an emphasis on the mothers in the case of, of who taught, you know, the uh, stripling warriors and Helaman's armies and, and that instance. So I'm going to, um, I, I think about these ancestors in particularly, in particular of how I understand warrior and what it means to me. Um, this is a image from, shared with the Center for Latter-day Saints Arts. I'm going to take us quickly there to emphasize that a big, a big part of this lesson that stood out to me, right, was the overarching theme of preserved by his marvelous power. And it's referring to those um, known as Sons of Helaman, the stripling warrior, the 2000 uh, stripling warriors. And this is a uh, the piece Mothers of Helaman by Kawani Povey Winder that is shared uh, recently with the art companion with the Come Follow Me through the Center for Latter-day Saints Arts. And it was shared last week, but, but in preparation for this lesson. Um, and, you know, that overarching theme, it calls upon who are preserved, who are preserved by the marvelous power and, you know, how are they preserved? And what does this relate, what is the connection, you know, to um, who is preserved and, and how with motherhood and, and, these, and these mothers of Helaman, the mothers of, of the sons of Helaman and the stripling warriors, right? Um, and for me, it, it really begins with thinking about how all of us are warriors and everyone is on a journey where we face challenges. Like we're, we're all heroes in our own story and warriors in that sense. But then there's key people in our lives that we can't do it alone. Even if it is a very personal and direct, um, you know, kind of experience that we're facing in life that we have mothers who are, are very key and central to that and the role of women in their own warrior stories, but also in, in being um, key, uh, key figures and role models who, who teach and lay the groundwork for enabling us on our journey, right? And I, I loved this painting by um, Kawani Povey Winder. It, I actually recognize some of the women who posed in it and have interviewed them in oral histories I did uh, with Latter-day Saint Native Americans. And I look forward, you know, to sharing those stories of, of incredible women with strong testimonies who have been through a lot in their lives and have been very faithful. So that that's um, really powerful for me to, to see that image and, and recognize some of those people. Let me share this. Oh, I'm trying to navigate several things at once here. So I do want to hear from you. I know this is a lot just coming straight from me to you all, but there is an opportunity for us um, to engage that I'm learning as I'm learning how to do remote teaching, delivery, and different aspects. So um, what I have here is there's a program called Menti, and if you can get on, if you can get on a separate screen as you're watching this and go to www 
dot menti m-e-n-t-i dot com use the code nine nine five five and then i can launch this code i mean i can launch the um, powerpoint right now so if you can begin to do that if you go to this site as i as i shared and put in the code um put in some responses to what are the positive qualities of a mother so I'll give you a minute all to get on that. You can get on, on your phone and, and go. It, it should be running right now. And go to www.menti.com. And this is a way that I can, I can see you know, some of your thoughts, be able to hear from you. And put in the code 9955. So then it will enter. Oh, it shows it's not ready for voting. Sorry. That's my fault. <laughs> One second here. <laughs> I was like, I thought it was up. Give me a second and I will pause my share as I finish getting that set up. I'm learning all this, but I, I do really want to hear you all. You know, what, what are your thoughts about what is a mother? How does it work? Okay, so actually, if you go there, um, it should run right now. Oh, is it not? www.menti.com, one second. And then the code is 9955-SUBMIT. This question not open. Hmm. I might be the first one trying to do it, shoot. I'm learning how to. The freedom. Arena, I, I can happen. see the I can see the questions in the back, but I, in the front is a this question is not open for voting. Yeah, we see we see the question, and I'm just wondering why it's not launching. I've been able to do it recently, so I'm like, hmm. And sorry, I'm. So, Farina, if we can have folks, are you wanting you can to put in the chat? Yeah. In the chat. So yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you. And while I'm playing around with that, you can use the chat and answer the question about what is, what are the qualities of a warrior? Why don't we start with that one? What are the qualities of a warrior? And you can put that in the chat. I'm sorry, it was supposed to make a really cool word cloud, so that would have been fun to see. But for some reason, I can't, I can't open it, so I don't know. Sorry for my technical, getting used to all these gadgets and gizmos that we have. But, but we, are getting, we are getting a really rich response on chat, so. Awesome, awesome. Yep, I'll check it out. So, um, thank you. What does a warrior mean to you? And then I'll pull up some of those. So if I can have help from maybe Rebecca and Chris, what, what do you yeah. see are some of those responses? Go ahead. Courage, vigilance, honor, uh, brave, strength, fierce, planning, overcoming fear, brave, perseverance, focused, courage, fearless, strong, calculating, determination, forbearance, loyalty, resilience, courage, restraint, brave, compassionate, obedience, obedient, willing to sacrifice, strength, brave, principled, 
mentally and physically strong. Awesome. Courage, honest, have a cause, selfless. Uh, Compartmentalization, anticipation, one who loves peace. Awesome. Thank you. And I love that, that someone puts one who loves peace. That is, that is really powerful for me, right? Is that sometimes other people, when we think warrior, when we maybe, you know, the algorithms, when you Google it or, or something like that, um, when, when we have those ideas about it, they might think, okay, you have somebody with a weapon, they're ready to charge, they're, they're a war hawk, they want to uh, run in there and be a killing machine or something like that. So I appreciate that folks also recognize it, it could be, it is someone who loves peace, right? Because a lot of the terms that, again, beginning with that exercise of my, my husband, Brian, at the beginning, um, was people are coming from a lot of different backgrounds and exposure to these kind of terms. And even when you're working with different languages, it means something else to different people. But I love um, what you all were sharing. And as we look at chapters 53 to 63, um, we, we get some of these terms or qualities coming out, right? Like, especially when talking about uh, the sons of Helaman in Alma uh, chapter 53, verse 21, for example, it says, yea, they were men of truth and soberness, for they had been taught to keep the commandments of God and to walk uprightly before him. And that term uprightly, I, I hear it several times, you know, in scripture or in different conversation, but that's also uh, resonated a lot with me because I often think, um, you know, in Diné teachings, we learn about a concept called Sanagai Bike Hajon and Hajo, which actually was in the prayer my father shared as well. This um, concept of Hajo is seeking balance. And it, it some people translate it simply as walk in beauty, but life is that that journey of walking where we're all on our paths, we're all walking. And in, in Christian teachings, right, you hear um, teachings such as walk with the Savior, teach me to walk in the light. That primary song stands out a lot to me, is that we're walking on, on these journeys and, and we need the Savior, you know, to, to carry us at times, to hold our hand, through repentance and these different aspects, but that uprightly, who the idea of, um, you know, walk uprightly before him, before heavenly father, that to me means you are walking with balance, right? You are walking with that confidence and courage and you're not wobbling around and you're not falling down though gravity or different forces are trying to pull you in different directions. And that again is, is what that beauty, not a superficial or material beauty means, but having all that beauty around you and surrounding you. So then I also asked folks, what does mother mean? So sorry, this, uh, it's supposed to make a really cool word cloud and I will master it by my classes starting. <laughs> but um, if you wanna use the chat box, what qualities, positive qualities, can you think about of mother? of mothers, mothers in your lives. You know, for me, my auntie was a mother. My aunt Florence was a mother, you know? So mothers uh, can be your mother who gave birth to you, bringing you into this world, but also the woman who have um, been caretakers for you, really looked after you. So I'll give you a few seconds here in the chat box. Please enter, you know, what does a mother mean to you? A positive mother figure. 
And then uh, Rebecca and Chris, if you don't mind helping me out again by sharing that. Oh, it's moving quickly. This is great. great. Go ahead. You want? I'd love to. I'd love to see the word cloud, but uh, loving, <laughs> loving, nurturing, comforter, unconditional love, transmitters of culture, strong, compassionate with herself and her children, listening, steady, roots, integrity, consistency, caretaker, teacher, long suffering, protective. Unconditionally loving, faithful, nurturing, minister, love, teacher, protector, life-giving, wisdom, discernment, balance, love. Beautiful. Rebecca, keep going. Yeah, if you want to mention a few more, that's beautiful. Uh, advocate, patient, fierce, wise, uh, broken in her own right, care for all children. Wonderful. Thank you. So I, I wanted to ask those two together, you know, of what does a warrior mean on one end? And, and in the Book of Mormon, like I said, we're introduced to a lot of warriors and they're named, right? Tiancum, Moroni, Helaman, um, even Amaron, right? They are warriors of their people, um, the stripling warriors. And, and often I remember growing up in primary and we'd sing songs about pressing onward, being warriors. Um, and there was the strength of youth at, at a point we learned the song, the sisters would sing as sisters of Zion and the boys got to sing the sons of Helaman. We are as the sons of Helaman and they would sing that um, duet, you know, uh, that harmony together. But I, I started to think, hey, you know, woman, we as mothers are warriors too, just different kinds of warriors. And I've especially been thinking about this um, as, as a historian, another big date coming up is August 18th, which is the centennial of the 19th Amendment Women's Suffrage in the United States. And I've been asked to give some presentations about that, talk about that in different ways, especially with Native American women's contributions to um, suffrage and, and movements, voting rights and such. Um, and James Singer has definitely worked in that area and he's, he's saying our closing prayer. Um, and as I've been thinking about that, I, I find a lot of the language I'm using is these women were fighting. They were fighting for the right to vote. They were fighting for their communities. And I had to give, I've given presentations to all ages, even little children. And I've had to kind of stop, you know, I have stopped a minute and said, well, when I say fighting, do you think I mean like putting up your dukes and they're like, um, you know, we have an idea of fighting means violence always, and, and it, it does in many times, and I'm not trying to completely divorce it from that connotation, but we also use these terms, um, like someone mentioned being fierce or such, um, we use these terms in, in different contexts as well, that, that um, what a warrior means uh, can be someone, and, and I'm going to talk about that, especially um, in, a, in a second here. It, we have to rethink and reconsider who we recognize as warriors. And I feel like uh, it was especially Alma 56 verses 47 to 48 that are golden to me. These are scriptures I want to memorize. I want to think about. I want us all to think about because, again, as I'm saying, as a, as a young woman who um, didn't really get to hear as many woman warriors named and... Um, that, that can be hard, you know, not really seeing yourself. How can you relate to these scriptures? But here's a moment where these, the mothers 
are named though not individually and i i want to imagine and think these were individual women like like nanaba like florence in my life like my mother joanne you know each of them were were beautiful women with their own lives and they had to see their sons and their and their people um being destroyed or facing so much hardship around them in in these wars you know and we we all have somebody in our family or, or some way in the world that you can relate when you turn on the news that there is war in the world that happens and it has happened whether you have a veteran in your family or someone in the service right now and you know why do we humans why is this a constant part of our story of how we face tensions and and warriors are always called upon right is that it is this ongoing struggle with the fight over light and dark good and bad right and and even those binaries they get very complicated and messy and blurry because you know it it we're asked you know are we on the lord's side are we doing what we can to be close to the lord to have that discernment i love that people said that too have that discernment and the relationship not only a positive and healthy wholesome in balance beautiful relationship with all things around us in our connectivity but also most importantly central to that is the lord so going to these verses 47 to 48 I, I wanted to look at this at different in different languages because I also love how the church has translated so many um, the the Book of Mormon in so many different languages and what these terms mean. And I had studied Yoruba in my master's program, and I love that Yoruba is actually a very figurative language. So languages also have um, layers and layers of meaning to them, of course. And and the scriptures are like that too, right? We're learning this. We're all learning from from where we come from, uh, what they mean. And so I just took a clip of you know some of these scriptures to remind us that even um, all of this is translation, and it's trying. Uh, uh, this is a key piece to our learning the Book of Mormon and these scriptures. But what will be most important, right, is our is our relationship that we're developing with the Lord through prayer, through discernment, and piecing that together and learning through these kind of conversations we're having. So uh, 56, 47, 48. I want to read this to you in English. Now they never had fought. And this is about the stripling warriors, right, where Helaman, why does he gather these, these young men to be his warriors? It's because the, the fathers of these young men made an oath. They made a covenant with the Lord and that they would not fight. And that's an incredible story that I know you've talked about in previous lessons and, and scripture study, right? And so then talking about these young men who step forward to fight with Helaman to fight for their rights, their liberty. He says, now they never had fought yet. They did not fear death and they did not think more upon the liberty of their fathers than they did upon their lives. Yea, they had been taught by their mothers that if they did not doubt, God would deliver them. And they rehearsed unto me the words of their mothers saying, what, uh, saying, we do not doubt our mothers knew it. And I have some of that in Yoruba here, you know, verse uh, 48. 
And it's just um, beautiful that, you know, I, 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 when I saw this, I thought, oh, wait, they missed the translation. They didn't say mama, you know, because uh, baba means father, as you see in the earlier part of that scripture. But they use the term iya. And Iya is kind of more endearing, I think, and respectful in the Yoruba language. And there's another term, Mama. And in Navajo, you say Shema. You know, Ma is a common sound with the language there. But they, in this scripture here, they take Iya, which is even more, you know, an endearment, an important term of, of respect and acknowledgement of the mothers in this story, right? And so I think it's it's beautiful too in the different languages looking at these scriptures and thinking about, wow, we can learn so much from from how we express, how we think about uh, these parts. And again, going back to this idea, what does a warrior mean? So as I was reading, oh, so such little time. There's so much, so much to talk about. Um, I'll try and whiz through this last part because we're running out of time. But um, as I shared earlier, I shared with you the this um, introduced you to my uncles who are Navajo code talkers, and Albert Smith um, was one of my most dearest um, elders who really took me under his wing, and he real he shaped a lot for me what a warrior means because during World War II, um, he volunteered, he was only 16, to serve the United States military as a Navajo co-talker. And a lot of people asked him, why do you fight in this white man's war? Why, you know, they put your family in prison, they tortured them, they treat, they treat you as a second-class citizen without the right to vote. At that time in states like New Mexico and Utah, Native Americans were denied the right to vote. You know, they weren't being represented fully. And then my uncle said to this, he said, it is my freedom too, my happiness and family too. I stand up for Mother Earth. She stands for my freedom. I can play, dance, sing, and stand for life. If I'm overburdened, I can cry. That's my privilege. I went to war because a foreign country wanted to take my Mother Earth, my freedom. And that's what he said at a symposium he was at in 2005. Why I bring this up is I think about all these different figures were introduced to the Book of Mormon, even like the, the sons, actually, you know, they're the sons of the people of Ammon. And these were people who, they descend from Lamanites, right? They are people who relate, they are kin, kin to the Lamanites who are fighting them. And even within this story, there's a lot of dissensions. There's internal conflict. There's movements. There's changing. It, it brings up questions of loyalty and allegiance. And really, in all this, everyone's family, right? Even the Nephites and the Lamanites, where do they descend from? They descend from the common family. We are all family. And how does it evolve? How does it change so that they can have all these years of violent wars and such upset, right? And, and how does it happen that the, the um, sons of the people of Ammon, that they decide to fight alongside Helaman, you know, against some of their, some who could be their close kin, is to them, they made, they made an allegiance to God. They wanted this freedom. They wanted peace. And in this context, at least in this part, right? There were people who it became, it became a war of vengeance for them. It became a war for power of who is the subject over who. And that really differentiated people and changed allegiances. But then you also have Nephites, like the, the king, the king men who caused rebellions within the Nephites and, and were involved in murders and wickedness and sin. And it really makes it blurry of, okay, 
who, where do the loyalties lie? Why are we fighting for this group or that group? And, and it was interesting for me to think about and relate to who did I understand the most about, who, who taught me the most about war and about um, being a warrior was my uncle and how he even had to think about, you know, he's not, he's not condoning what, what the United States government did to his people. He's not condoning that experience, but he's saying, let's move forward. Let's do something in a common cause of good here. And, and what are we really fighting for? What are we seeking truth for? And that's where I think this idea of a warrior is really important is um, a, a warrior plays a key role in unifying people. And this is where um, I take from a book written uh, with Tiana Big Horse, featuring the stories of her, of her father, Big Horse the Warrior. And he was a Navajo warrior who was escaping um, the, the United States military that was rounding up Navajos in the long walk, forcing them, removing them from their homelands, forcing them you know, to live basically in a concentration camp in Fort Sumner. And he was escaping that in the late 1800s. And uh, Tiana reflects on what does a warrior mean to Navajos? And she says this, in Navajo, a warrior means someone who can get through the snowstorm when no one else can. In Navajo, a warrior is the one that doesn't get the flu when everyone else does. The only one walking around, making a fire for the sick, giving them medicine, feeding them food, making them strong to fight the flu. In Navajo, a warrior is the one who can use words so everyone knows they are a part of the same family. In Navajo, a warrior, uh, a warrior says what is in the people's hearts, talks about what the land means to them, and brings them together to fight for it. Because the land in this, inst in, in this instance, and even in the Book of Mormon, what are people fighting over? Who controls what land? Who controls what city? Is this the city of Nephi? Is this the city of Zarahemla? Who controls, you know, what? And, and the warrior is the one who does remind people we are all family. We, we need to communicate. We need to have balance. We need to see ourselves as equal. We need to have faith and understand that Heavenly Father is the Father of all. Heavenly Father and Christ, through Christ and that perfect love, that perfect example, that, that's what brings us together. And these other parts, you know, that, that I love so much of these scriptures, when you look at the epistles of um, Helaman, sharing the stories of how the stripling warriors, uh, they survive, they persevere, they continue to stand fast, to stand uprightly, even through their hardships. And then Moroni, who goes through so many struggles, he, he writes about, writes to Pahoran saying, help us, we are, we're falling apart here, you're neglecting us. And he has anger, you know, and, and there's, there's terrible bloodshed and slaughter that happens in these scriptures that I can't imagine, that I cannot ever say I want that. And that's where I love that someone recognized a warrior also wants peace, someone who wants to pursue peace. And I can't judge, you know, Heavenly Father is the judge. That's the person who, who will decide in the end. But from Moroni and from these epistles and how Pahoran also responds, right, that, that through um, rebellions and the kingmen and, and the insurrections that disable him, that incapacitate him while he's trying to support 
um, Moroni, that reminds us that the dark forces that cause stir contention, that are the cause of where people would kill another person, where people would hurt and, and create those divisions of the us versus them, the Lamanites versus the Nephites or whatever group it is, that's from the adversary, you know? And when Pahoran and Moroni, even they're separated and Pahoran cannot help them, that's what the adversary and dark forces wants, is to cut us off from each other, have us confused, miscommunicate, misunderstand, when really we just need that communication. We need to build that relationship and have the Lord be our guide in how to best treat each other as, as heavenly brothers and sisters, as who we are you know, as children of God, that we are all, eh, that we are kinship and we, you know, do owe that to each other. And so finally, you know, they are able to unite and, and able to fight for peace. And after that peace is established, um, what I found really powerful as well in all that is that Helaman then goes to the ministry. And it, it reminds me of life as a veteran he, he witnesses such horrors and, and the awfulness of war, you know, and then he goes to continue to serve and continue in that way to be a warrior, but in the context of bringing people to the faith, to the gospel. And there was, you know, the key parts of, as well of talking about how war can either harden people or soften them, where hardships, and I see war as a, as a key part of overarching hardships that we that we face in our life right that every day we're, we're facing challenges of every little decision it matters in, in building us building our fortress our internal strength our relationship with the lord so that he that we may always be um in connection with him in right and acting righteously and being together um and not separated, cut off from the Lord, most importantly, right? Not being connected to the Lord in those ways. And um, for people who let it harden their hearts, that's where the pride and negativity that seeps in and it can corrupt, you know, that, that warriorhood, it can corrupt even the way people see and seek for truth, that they twist it and distort it as the adversary would want to justify some of the most horrible you know, horrible behaviors, actions, and sin um, versus those who are humbled and that lesson of humility is most powerful there. Also in these chapters, one thing I want to wrap up with is uh, there's the part in chapter 63 talking about Haggoth and um, the, the, also the movements of the different people that when you have these kind of major developments, war clashes, even the peace that follows, peoples are moving, right? The migrations, the movements of what happened. And to me, that's even more a testament of even though people physically can separate and branch out, don't forget, you know, remember, and I'm gonna skip here due to time. I wanna close with this before I open it up to some thoughts. Remember where you come from. Remember that you are family, that we are family. Even as people migrate, they move. We have different languages. We have even different languages through generations of time. How I understand the world and the terms I use are so different from my father who even spoke from my, my grandparents, 
um, my parents and such, but we are, we are connected and we do continue a line of, of, you know, that connection matters, that it is eternal. And, and there's something, you know, that, that something is the heart and the connection to the Lord as, as the Lord's children and as children of God, as we began this. So I pray, pray that we remember heavenly father and, and Jesus Christ, that they love us. They love each of us. Um, you know, they love my, my aunt Florence, who I, I didn't get to see, you know, pass away. But she's the kind of woman who truly was a warrior. Navajos, we name our woman warrior names, like Nanaba, Yanaba, Adesba. I named my daughter a warrior name, which means the first to lead the fight, the first to lead the path. Um, and I once had a scholar ask me, well, these women didn't fight in a war, you know, they weren't like battling, but absolutely they were. That relates to that natural lineal influence and the reverence and the sacredness of women and the contributions they make. And it, I, I pray, I ask you, I didn't have enough time to show you a clip or a quote, but along with this lesson, we are point, directed to President Nelson's plea to the sisters. And it just brought me to tears and really resonates with me that he recognizes you know, how much we need women to speak, to stand, and in a sense, you know, um, to organize. And that is to be a warrior, to be that warrior who unifies the people and reminds us that we, we do love one another, we need to love one another, and these are ways how we can love one another as Christ taught and teaches us through our connection to him and heavenly father. Um, and I'm grateful to teach this lesson. I mean, it's, it's a tip of the iceberg. There's so much there and I can definitely see how um, studying, going back, finding more pieces for yourself of through prayer, meditation, connecting through these types of forums and, and turning you know, to the revelations of, of recent days, such as uh, President Nelson's talk and, he refers to prophecies from President Kimball, who envisioned how women would be so central and key to, you know, the building of Zion, essentially, of, of God's work on earth in these modern days. And I see that, you know, that um, a lot of people said about my Aunt Florence, for example, is she always was strong and had brought joy to those around her because she had a spirit of joy, even when she faced some of the most difficult and hard things in her life. She taught us to love and have joy. So I am, this is uh, emotional for me to think about these warriors to look up to. And I know I will make mistakes, but that's a part of, of all of us learning from, you know, the mistakes of the warriors in the Book of Mormon, but also their triumphs and where most importantly, they do not give up. And that was a key um, inspiration from President Nelson's talk too. It was his wife who helped him, helped him to not give up. Even when we fail and we feel like so much is against us, the Lord is with you if you open your heart to him. 
So thank you for um, including me. I don't know if we have enough time to hear from some of your input or questions. That is something I miss from our in-person meetings, but I am grateful for this honor and this opportunity to share my testimony that I believe in Jesus Christ and that we are children of God. And I love you even if I don't know you. I'm trying to learn how to love more every day. And I say this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Uh, Farina, thank you. Let me um, express a couple of things. Thank you, first of all, for inviting us to join in mourning for Aunt Florence, I guess. Um, something we can do. We, um, I'm sorry, I have been emotionally moved by this whole conversation. There are, um, and we, maybe we should move to a closing prayer, but there are a number of requests and, and uh, comments, um, including that if, uh, if you have a clip available, if you have some thoughts you had to skip over, we don't have a strict limit on time and, uh, and would like to see that. Um, it wasn't as much a clip as uh, it, I can share. Let's see. Oops. I just closed my prizzy, but I can share the prizzy um, if people want to be able to see that. Of And I mean, mainly it was um, just if people can go back and listen to President Nelson's talk, I, I strongly recommend it. Uh, plea to the sisters. It was really powerful. And um, I'd be, yeah, I have a website, farinaking.com. I'm happy to continue conversations about this, uh, these kind of topics and scripture studies, because someone recently did ask me, um, how do we study the scriptures responsibly? And that was really powerful for me, because, you know, lately in a lot of conversations, especially as um, someone who identifies as Native American, people bring up a lot of concerns of how, you know, Native Americans in our population have been ostracized or marginalized, um, specifically in the context of church history or these different dynamics, and how the Book of Mormon has been used as a tool of colonialism, which even within this story, you know, I, I see the story of Amaron, you know, very much connected to colonialism too. But um, all, all those kind of details, I certainly talk about in other forums on podcasts and whatnot. And I, I try to keep those updated on my website. And so the person who asked me, how do we study the scriptures responsibly and what, what we do with those in our lives, it, it's really um, touched me to think about how, um, in the efforts of us pursuing truth and trying to understand, you know, when we learn and, and take act upon these lessons, again, it, I turn to that point about the identity of a warrior being someone who unifies and draws people together. You know, is this, is this knowledge that we're pursuing and the truth that we're pursuing, is it something that in the Lord's way will actually connect us more or something that is pushing us further apart from each other. 
And that's even just one place to start. There's so much more to, to, to learn and unpack and, and explore and delve into. So yeah. So as, you, as you've been talking, um, folks have been sharing some other ideas and ways that they're thinking about what it means to be a warrior. So I wanted to bring in a little bit of that. Um, sure, uh, just the way you're talking um, helps us to see how being a warrior is about building community. It's about being a protector and unifier. It's about someone who um, helps the community survive and protects life and nurtures life. Um, it's about peace and life, community service. A uh, warrior is someone who carries life and light. Um, and I was really struck in thinking about a warrior as someone who lives kinship um, in the way that kind of you're talking about that. Um, we've all really appreciated uh, thinking about these scriptures and stories through a Navajo perspective. Um, and many of us were especially touched by you reading a scripture in uh, another language, which really opened up a new, uh, you know, a very, you know, got us to think again, like, okay, language matters so much and how we um, are, are interacting in the world and seeing um, truth and, and each other. Um, and there was one comment about, you know, maybe this opens up uh, a thinking too about Heavenly Mother um, that using the, this language and these terms that, that offer kind of more endearment and respect can, can help kind of turn us to her as well. I don't thank know if you, you have any thoughts about any of that. Yeah, thank you so much for bringing that up. You know, is that often we feel like it's a, a fresh breath of air. It's like the sun coming through and in these moments with the scriptures of where I read it and I'm like, wow, you know, this does, it does have multiple layers to it of when, when you are studying these scriptures and I think about motherhood and absolutely if, if we're spiritual children and, and we bring such reverence and honor to our own mothers, of course, like the idea and that we know there is a heavenly mother too and how, why don't, why don't we name them? Why aren't we named? And something um, really powerful for me, actually, I like relating by stories is that, um, I've been trying because I've been raised in, in the church. Family history has always been, you know, wham, 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 a big deal. And it's really been important to me to understanding um, my journey in life and where I come from. And, and that also intersects of why I was drawn to history and studying history. Um, and so as I was trying to pursue and understand Navajo family history, um, it was frustrating because a lot of ways that people approach genealogy or family history, that was already, it's like it's coded um, in, different, in different groups. And when you're pursuing it through like the church, they would ask, what date are they born? What date did they die? Do you have these kind of documents? And these are the kind of, you know, privileged sources that people turn to. And that was hard for me because um, not only are... Uh, Native Americans oral societies who didn't who didn't tell time in that way they didn't see the world in that way they didn't write down a date with a 12-month calendar you know even my grandfather didn't have a date that way but then also like woman on top of that trying to understand the woman's voices because when Europeans came and interacted 
with Native Americans, they often said, let's talk to the men because they were heavily patriarchal, you know, societies and dynamics there. And I know that's the case, um, certainly with many Native American groups. Um, and so then women are silenced even more in that way, or like, you just, you don't have access to those kind of sources when you're trying to approach it in this way. So I was just trying to learn about my great grandmother on my father's side, um, paternal side. And um, I started, what, where I really started to learn more was talking to my family and hearing stories. I couldn't, I had to begin there with what are the stories, you know, my family, my family's telling, what are we saying? What does she mean to them? And that gave me a window into my grandmother's life rather than like trying to focus so hard on what's a date, what's a date, and what does that mean to someone, right? So I think it's like how we're approaching these things is sometimes what there's sources that surround you, but we don't think to even look at them in that way or to look at them in that light. And so I started to talk to my family and get stories and then I learned a name of my great grandmother and I had an idea of the, about the time she lived. So, you know, I started to fill in that information and it's like putting the puzzle together. And then I just was touched. I felt like that was a moment that was really powerful for me where I just felt touched that I knew she existed because I felt frustrated that I had to be like, you know, at least on that form to fill out on family history that this is when she was born. This is proof that she existed. Like it was like, what is proof of that woman's existence in her life? But the more stories I heard, it's like I came to know her through the stories of my family, even just, you know, if they were ideas of her. It's like sometimes people say this, we are stories and the stories we make up tell us more truth about ourselves than the than what people consider fact and that was really powerful for me because i just i had a testimony of myself that it's like it was this validation for me that i know she existed and i knew more of how she was like and that i want to exist without her and i think you know something you said here about even heavenly mother maybe it's similar to that where it's like we don't talk about her you don't talk about it or it's not in the typical sources, like it's not brought up, written in the scriptures, even these mothers here, you only have a few lines about the, as I was sharing before, about the stripling warriors and their mothers, but they are central to this. You know, those, who would those sons of the people of Ammon be if without those mothers? You know, they wouldn't be there. They are central and there are so many intricate, you know, and, and intimate moments that we just are not privy to. We don't have, but, but it's like, we will through discernment and prayer. We know that happened. We know those women were there, that they had their own names, their individual souls, just like my great grandma. I don't know, you know, I can't put it on a map of where exactly she was born or something like that, but I know I'm learning more about her, I feel like, which is, it's been very powerful for me. Farina, I, thank you. I, I don't ever know exactly where to end, but I think that's a beautiful uh, comment to end on. <coughs> I'd like to call on uh, James Singer to offer a closing prayer. Uh, not to stop any conversation, but to 
bring our session officially to a close. Uh, James Courage Singer is a Diné scholar and advocate. He's a professor at Salt Lake Community College as the diversity fellow in sociology and ethnic studies. He is a PhD candidate at Utah State University researching labor markets and social policy. His research analyzes the intersection of race, religion, and capitalism. In 2018, James was the first Native American to run for US Congress from Utah. He is one of the co-founders of the Utah League of Native American Voters. He sits on the board of directors for the Salt Lake City Air Protectors. His favorite calling, according to him, was as primary chorister. He served a mission in Argentina. Um, James, can we ask you to pray? Of course, thank you. Uh, my video, I can't use, I have a low <laughs> bandwidth right now. Um, with your permission. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that we could gather today as thy sons and daughters, as brothers and sisters, in hearing this lesson of great importance. We are indeed grateful for Farina King and her preparation, her mind, her spirit, her ability to convey power and message and word and love. We are thankful for the leadership of our mothers, for the strength of our mothers, for the courage of our mothers, for the tenderness of our mothers and the love of our mothers. May we remember this, Father, as we center women in our church, so we empower women in our church. Father, may we remember thy word in our moments of joy and in our moments of sorrow. We know at this time there is great turbulence in our society. And then we know that this mortal existence is one of trial. We ask in humility that we may find strength in our diversity. May we listen to the words of thy servant, Reverend Martin Luther King, when he said, help us to walk together, pray together, sing together, and live together until the day that all thy children, black, white, yellow, red, and brown, will rejoice in one common band of humanity. With this I end, Father, may we walk with beauty before us, may we walk with beauty behind us, may we walk with beauty above us, and may we walk with beauty around us. Hojona hastli, hojona hastli, hojona hastli, hojona hastli. These things we say humbly in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. <laughs>